Who will survive in America? We'll find out. Some good actionable advice in this rip with uh, Laser Hoddle. Third rip, part three. Dug into the great reset in the first half and really focused on actionable advice in the second half. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think you guys are too. This is brought to you by our good friends at Cash App. Cash App's trying to make it easy for people to stack sats. Uh, you can stack sats, send sats, receive sats, sell sats, if you so please. You can auto stack, you can DCA, uh, you can set limits, price limits where you want to buy. Uh, if it dips a little bit and you want to buy at a certain price, you can do that in the Cash App. Cash App can be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers. Uh, you can send Bitcoin to Taproot addresses from Cash App. They're doing great things. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, make sure you do so using the code StackingSats. S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10. $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. This was also brought to you by good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained is here to be a partner of yours. They don't view you as a client. They don't view you as a, an input in a spreadsheet. They view you as a partner. They want to be a lifeline partner. Lifelong partner, not only a lifelong partner, they want to work with your, your progeny as well, the people that come after you. Um, they're here to be a generational wealth partner, uh, and they're here to help you uh, custody your Bitcoin, eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. If you're holding Bitcoin on an exchange or in a single SIG wallet, those are single points of failure, and the exchange can rug pull you. Uh, and if you lose your hardware wallet and uh, the seed phrase that backs it up, you are shit out of luck. So Unchained has a collaborative custody model. They have a, a vault where... You, it's a two or three multi-sig. You hold one, you hold two keys, excuse me. Unchain holds one key. Um, so you always have control over your Bitcoin. But if you're ever in a pinch and you need Unchain to be the second in the two or three multi-sig, they are there for you. They have a white glove concierge service that's going to take you from zero to having a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats in a multi-sig vault. Uh, they're going to have multiple video conference calls with you. They're going to get your hardware wallets. They're going to get your vault set up. And again, they're going to dump sats into that vault at the end of the day. Tell them the TFTC sent you. You're going to get $50 off that package. Go check out everything at unchained.com. This rope is also brought to you by good friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is here to get more individuals into the mining game. Uh, you go to compassmining.io. You can purchase an ASIC, have it sent to your house. They have an at-home mining support team that will walk you through the necessary steps to get your miner plugged into the home. If you're going to need specific electrical infrastructure set up, uh, you're going to need to know how to uh, uh, connect to your miner's IP and how to point that at a pool. Uh, and then how to how to receive sats from that pool at the end of the day. We've got an incredible newsletter uh, and and podcast as well. Zach Vole, Will Foxley doing incredible stuff on the content side at Compass. Uh, go check all this out at compassmining.io. Uh, this trip was also brought to you by good friends at Brains. Brains. Brains is the team behind Slush Pool, the oldest mining pool in the game. They're also the team behind Brains of Us Plus Firmware. Uh, which it helps you stack more sats with your hash. Uh, it focuses uh, on the higher frequency chips in the hashing boards uh, on your ASICs, and it hel helps you produce more hashes, which thus helps you stack more sats. Okay, If you have an ASIC that is compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not using it, you are leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. Not only do they have this product, are they not only are they t the team behind Slush Pool, but they also have an incredible new... Uh, data site that they launch, insights.brains.com. That's B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Insights.brains.com is a place you can go to to get all the stats that you need on mining, whether it be profitability, hash rate, difficulty, pool size, whatever. Go to insights.brains.com. Last but not least, this trip is brought to you by our good friends at HODL HODL. 
HODL HODL is here to bring you a P2P lending platform and they too leverage multi-sig. Uh, so what you do is you put your Bitcoin up uh, as collateral in a two or three multi-sig escrow wallet. You hold one key, your counterparty holds one key and HODL HODL holds one key. You cannot uh, move your funds due to the fact that you are engaging in a loan, but uh, having that one key gives you visibility into the escrow account so that you know that you're your uh, funds aren't being rehypothecated. Uh, so you put the Bitcoin as collateral in this escrow account, and then you get stable coins uh, that you can then go spend as you wish. And as long as you're paying back that loan, plus the interest uh, rate associated with that, that you and your counterparty uh, agree upon, uh, you are going to get your sats back at the end of the day. Conversely, if you are somebody who is into the stable coin game and you want to get yield on those stable coins, you can uh, put your stable coins up to be loaned out uh, uh, plus interest so that you can get some yield on that. Uh, go to lend.hodlhodl.com to check all this out. That's lend.hodlhodl.com. Enjoy the Rip Freaks. It's a great one. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? What is up, Laser Hoddle? Good to be here, Marty. It's good to have you back. A lot has happened since we last met. When the hell did we last meet? Was it in the summer? July, maybe? No, it was like yeah, August. Months, months ago. A lot has happened since then. We have internment camps in Australia. Uh, you're not allowed to talk about the vaccine, potentially giving people heart attacks. Um, they're trying to stop travel everywhere. This is happening fast. Is it just me? Or is this accelerating at a, at a rate that not even I was anticipating? No, it's, it's, it's not just you. I, I mean, when we last spoke... Um, we were kind of trying our best to, to grasp at the future where this thing was going. And, um, you know, fast forward to now you have these, you have this, um, broad wave of progressive moral imperialism and, and they've found their instrument with, with the vaccine, right? So that's going to be the tool that they use to lord over the world. And, and, um, COVID is acting a lot like, kind of like a virtual uh, uh, Berlin Wall. It, it's you know, sort of putting everyone on house arrest, um, locking them down, getting them to get into this state of complying so that their life savings can be used to bail out uh, nation states of the world. And it, it, it's, it's really bizarre seeing these, um, for lack of a better word, I mean, these concentration camps, right? And then, yeah, they're not the same shaped as in uh, World War II. They're kind of like these politically correct, hyper-woke concentration camps. But I, I don't know of a better word for a camp that basically, you know, for for a situation where you have authorities show up at your house, they're, they have this arbitrary law of whoever they deem is sick. They're gonna, you're going to be forced to come stay at this uh, camp and you can't leave. And if you do leave, they're going to canvas the forest for you. Um, I'm not sure what to call that. Um, I 
think concentration camp is the right word, even if it is uh, politically correct and, and, and playing through this COVID lens. Yeah, it's fucking scary. I mean, like the video, I mean, the, the woman in Australia who was being forced to wear a mask to go do her laundry, like I, for me, I think it was the first or second video I've seen of the, like literal camps. Like they have these like fucking tin shacks that they're forcing these people in. They don't even have COVID. Like they're not even... They're, they're, they tested negative. Like, how are they allowed to do that? Uh, and I, I think it's time. Uh, and that's what I'd, I'd like to get your opinion on and on how to best do this, to, ha to have people stand up and not comply, and like begin pushing back. Because people are literally in concentration camps right now in Australia and Germany. They're talking about uh, quarantining unvaxxed people. Again, don't even have to be COVID positive. Uh, and then when, when you consider, again, like you said, vac the vaccine is going to be the vehicle through which they do all this, like it doesn't even work. And that's becoming abundantly clear. Like if you, even if you get the vaccine and both boosters, you're still able to uh, contract and spread COVID. Like there's no logical consistency. Like it, it is a pure power grab if you're able to see through that thin veil of uh, illogical nonsense. And and the veil is growing thinner every day. I mean, I it feels like at this point we're at the point where it's just brazen um totalitarianism and and they don't they they know that it's visible right um and and it's almost like a mockery i mean the fact that you have these um just hordes of professional athletes keeling over um and 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 you know the all they do is kind of just say oh it's climate change i mean who who believes that that doesn't make any, that makes zero sense. Um, well, and so, a, and, and, yeah. I was going to say, it's not only climate change. Now they're coming out with headlines, like people are eating too much bacon, like, uh, like teen heart problems are, or have become a trend, like, and it, it's been around, like they're, they're trying to create many distracting narratives to, to drag everybody away from the most obvious cause for all this. Uh, I, I, what's clear to me is that the worst thing that we could do is onlookers like the failure mode that we're being um, drawn into is this kind of failure mode where you're okay. So you're, you're, you're constantly pointing out and proclaiming to the, the sort of national conversation. Can you believe how crazy this is? Right. That to me is a failure mode. It's a, it's a failure mode to, to actually be just pointing at this and pointing at that over and over and just saying, can you believe how insane this is? Because I think that that is actually their aim. Their aim is to, um, and you know, and you know, there has been some uh, uh, co commentary on the idea that a lot of what this is is it's a psychological operation based on what they learned in China um, in terms of torturing um, uh, 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 villages and cities and torturing large groups of people. The way that you do it is you embroil them in contradictory measures that don't make any sense, and so. All the, the critical thinkers and all the people who are individualists basically become paralyzed because they become so wrapped up in the fact that none of the pieces fit together logically, right? So, so and, and so that's that's what I I worry about because, um, well, it's true. None of these things make any sense. It 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 doesn't make any sense that um, okay. So, d despite the fact that if if you, if you get the vaccine. Um, you can get it, you can spread it, right? So the, 
you know, you're, you're getting this, this gene serum and the, this new designer flu is just passing right through you. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, right. So that, that, okay. So if you hold that in one hand and in the other hand, you have the state basically ramping up the, the rhetoric, ramping up the persecution of the unvaccinated, creating this bad guy, right. Creating this, the sense of fear, um, and then you have this this never ending feedback loop um, where they're saying, OK, well, now we're going to do more lockdowns. Now we're going to go for, you know, that to a critical thinker, to an individualist isn't, you know, it's enough to almost make people go clinically insane. And I think that's what's happening. You know, you, you see these and you're just like, I can't compute. I can't move any further because how is everyone continuing to just pretend this is normal? Right. So that that's a. Um, a paralyzing thing. And so I think it's easier to zoom out and say, wow, that is a very effective um, uh, a modern warfare technique. Yeah, it's very effective. And, and like you said, they're, they're trying to destroy the individualists, drive them crazy. And one thing that's beginning to scare me is, especially here in the United States, there's, uh, there's a few public standouts against this in the political realm, which are governors, Governor uh, DeSantis and Governor Abbott here in Texas. And then now you have Fauci and Biden in coordination, beginning to call them out individually uh, in a veiled threat, saying there are some states that are that are not uh, complying with the science. And they're, they're <laughs> they literally come out and say, I believe Fauci said they're, they're putting uh, individual freedoms above the safety of the public. Uh, and so then now they're here in the U.S., we have... Uh, a few strong holdouts that are that are allowing uh, me. I'm in Texas, uh, and others that have escaped uh, the, the insanity of the Northeast and other parts of the country. Um, they're they're trying to attack the the uh, sticks in the mud that are that are Florida and Texas and other states that are that are standing up against this tyranny. Um, and I, I just am really uh, worried that, that they're going to try to launch a campaign to to make these governors in these states bend the knee and what happens if that does happen like does australia and germany come here and then the whole world's kind of watching the u.s right because the u.s we you know we're a country that's that's rooted in federalism which which means that um there's a balance between federal powers and and state powers and uh, we have a constitution, and, and um, while I, I think no one would argue that the, the, the America that we see today is unrecognizable, um, and, and there's a lot of debate that you can have around, is this a free country? But I think what can't be argued is that federalism has been an effective bulwark so far um, that has stayed uh, this, this, this vaccine imperialism. Which is really just the, the device that that global central uh, banking is using to uh, to to execute this power grab, right? But it, but you know, the, the constitutional republic of the U.S. like that complexity, trying to push through authoritarianism through that has been hard. And even though it's terrifying seeing how how quickly um, things like the constitution, you know, how quickly pieces of paper become meaningless and reset, right? You see, you see that, uh, fiat is becoming essentially, you know, completely meaningless. You see that law is becoming completely meaningless. You see that 
um, ballots, voting is like n- none of these things matter. We're in the thick of it. Um, and and so that's terrifying because, um, you know, even as you sit in Texas, you just wonder, <laughs> you wonder how real that is. Right. Like, do I am I really in a place where um, this tyranny won't come reach out to me? And, and um, I mean, I don't know. I the, there, there are signals that suggest like Ron DeSantis is actually going along the greater Great Reset agenda just through a different road, right? So at the same time as he's saying no to vaccine imperialism, right, people um, and no to lockdowns, you know, on, uh, out one side of his mouth and the other side of his mouth, they're rolling out digital ID for um, driver's licenses, right? And so they're almost cutting directly to it. Um, while doing kind of the long game of like, you know, the, that classical conservatism, which is like, we're going to still get to the same place. We're just going to get there twice as slow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is interesting. And, 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 and I don't know. I mean, you look in Texas and you look at Abbott and Abbott is being very careful not to talk about, um, COVID too much. He's focusing on, um, uh, the border, right. He's focusing on, um, the fact that, uh, Texas is a booming economy, but he, you know, you can see he's dancing around vaccine imperialism. And, and I mean, you look at, uh, Bukele out of El Salvador, he's dancing around vaccine imperialism. You know, it, it went from a year ago. He's basically saying, uh, that everyone's got to get vaccinated. This is kind of the path. There is no option now as he's had more interaction with the Bitcoin, community he seems to be softening on that came out yesterday say yesterday saying it's your own choice you don't have to be vaccinated we'll provide boosters to anyone that wants to you can do it and so you know i i zoom out a little i look at these things and i understand what's happening what's happening is is central banking uh global central banking is engaging every country right and it's saying this is the the battleground (laughs) We're coming to you with this vaccine imperialism. What's your move? And they're all taking different approaches to try and place themselves at different points in the risk rating. And Texas and Florida are part of that, right? Mm-hmm. They're almost acting as like little nation states. Yeah. Um, yes. Japan. So Japan. Um, so my wife is Japanese and she has good insight into Japan. Japan has, is very good at basically saying they're going along with international stuff giving lip service and then internally not doing a darn thing. So what happened in Japan, Japan said, Oh yeah, yeah, we're doing the great reset. We're doing the COVID thing. Yeah. But internally there wasn't any lockdowns internally. Um, mass stayed optional internally. Vaccines were never mandated and pe- a lot of people take them. There's a culture of taking them, um, but they also distributed ivermectin broadly. Um, and, and so what happened when um, their new uh, PM basically came out and said they're not going to do a lot of these great reset things. It wasn't but a week later that they, you know, he came out and said he'll be he won't be <laughs> signing up for another term. Right. Yeah. So now you're going to get your, your installed Japanese PM. Yeah. And because, of course, Japan is owned by uh, the United States. We installed. Mm-hmm a central bank in Japan after World War II. And we've basically been bleeding their people dry through money printing um, for decades. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they don't have, you know, they don't own their future. And, and so probably what happened there is 
um, central banking gave him the call and said, look, this is happening. You're not going to be going up for reelection. And it's, it's really shining a light on which parts of the world actually have autonomy um, or not. Yeah. And I mean, it's really scary, especially with the Omicron variant. Like that seems like a play to uh, force Africa into compliance because yes. they've, they have not complied. They have a very low vaccination rate. They have very low COVID rate and they have very low death rate comparatively from what I understand. And it seems like this Omicron scare saying it's from South Africa and then cutting off uh, the ability of African countries outside of South Africa um, to, to be able to travel internationally, even though they don't have any COVID problems uh, is a sign that they're, they're beginning to, to go after Africa too, which seems to be another bulwark on the international uh, level, uh, the countries within Africa that are just saying, eh, we really don't care. We're not affected. Well, yeah, I mean, Africa is a huge prize of the Great Reset, I mean, and it's absolutely critical that they bring Africa to heal and incorporate them into this new order. Um, I, a lot of what monetary reset means is um, not only do you excavate the productive capital of the last cycle, but you need to launch a bunch of growth stories for the next cycle. And so basically bringing Africa to heal and making way for Belt and Road and making way for an expansion making way for expansionism uh, so that China can come in, so that capital markets can be established. Um, that requires order. And so I think part of what's happening is, you know, it, it's basically um, central banking, it's monetary imperialism um, through the device of COVID. And so the reason you see these African premiers being assassinated is because they're basically saying no to this, um, uh, to this, uh, colonization through uh, COVID. Um, and, and and so, you know, th this makes me think about El Salvador, right? Like, uh, what can Bukele get away with yeah, in maybe. terms of saying no to vaccine imperialism? Like, how far can he go? Like, that's a very delicate dance, as far as I can tell. That is the, the battle. That is the, the battlefront in this World War III. Yeah, well, not only that, but he's also coming at the IMF too, like openly denying their uh, their request to extend a loan and going for the Bitcoin bond, um, attacking them from from multiple angles in that regard. Um, oh, I think it's I think it's exciting. I mean, the the Bitcoin bonds is that idea is is. You know, there's a lot of libertarianisms and anarchists who, who basically say that the state's irredeemable. And, and so we should just cut directly to the world where you have this kind of um, extreme freedom. Right. Um, and but but I, I mean, I, I would say it's, it's better probably not to have a, a horse in that race and merely say if a state gets behind Bitcoin, it's a net good on the path that we're all on. <laughs> right. Um, but I. I, I'm not super comfortable with El Salvador being alone this long, right? right. You know, it, it's it's a little too long. It's a, that's a big matzo ball to have hanging out there. It's a, you know, it's a, <laughs> and so I, I I hoped that we had would would have seen a handful of other Latin countries join, maybe one or two European countries defect from the Great Reset. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, and then you you couple that with 
how long they've been out there by themselves doing this with the fact that you have like Christine Lagarde, Hillary Clinton coming out of the woodwork and others to to attack Bitcoin and cryptocurrency specifically uh, saying that it's going to lead to a destabilization of financial markets and economies, trying to blame the pending financial crisis on Bitcoin, trying to front run that narrative. And and that fits perfectly into um, the, the last reset where basically it was very easy to make a scapegoat of gold and say, oh, you got these hoarders um, and, and sort of say, oh, well, what, what we need to do is move to a pure fiat because um, if, you know, if there is an escape hatch, people will use it, which is uh, you zoom out on that statement alone. That is 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 so telling right. <laughs> in terms of his reset. Like, uh, like, what does that mean? Okay, if there is a way to escape the 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 absolute um, devastation of central powers excavating everyone's future, then people will, of course, do that. So we need to make sure that they can't do that. They're essentially coming out and saying options are bad. Like if you're listening to this at home, like this was Christine Lagarde who said this, correct? Um, yeah, yeah. She's, she's yeah. basically saying we cannot give people an option to do anything but be cattle herded into this this central bank digital currency system that we're we're trying to erect. Like just think about that as a human, as an individual, as somebody who uh, has the natural right to autonomy over your body, your ideas, and your choices. They literally want want to make sure that you have no choices. Yeah, I mean, of course, the the grift is, um, so if society were to understand that what Reset entails is central banks basically printing the extent of the entire world's purchasing power, concentrating that wealth into, you know, the uh, a percent of a percent of a percent of the the, the population, this tiny little um, uh, power group. and then, and then, basically, uh, resetting balance sheets of of everyone, every nation that's on board. Um, what that essentially means is that your family's future is being used to bail out the world, right? And they don't want you to have an escape hatch to get out of that. And and um, now, if, if if people understood that plainly, what would happen is they would revolt, right? And so, governments are very smart. They've learned from. Julius Caesar and the Romans that, um, you know, you need gladiators and lion fights and you need things that act as an outlet for people to basically um, uh, vent their despair and their their human emotion to not be a slave. (laughs) Right. So you you need an outlet. And that outlet has evolved over time to include things like world war, Um, because think about it, if you have a a world war, um, instead of being made a slave and, and your future being stolen and your family's future being stolen. Now you're in a shared societal, um, like this shared responsibility, this shared story, this conflict of good and evil. Right. And, um, so it replaces that, that anger and that revolt. It replaces it with like shared societal responsibility, um, shared suffering. And then also this gratefulness, right? Cause if you make it through the war, it will have all been worth it. All the money printing, all the the, theft, the time theft is justified because you've made it through this big chapter of society together. Um, and so, you know, that makes sense when you look at World War, that those are really dramatizations by the nation state in order to justify 
um, all the theft and, and, and then all the, the debt jubilee. You know, you need to justify all that because that's the game we all play. And if it's not fair, if it's rigged, it means that you're a slave. Um, and so the, these great dramatizations, they hide that fact. And, and so COVID is, you know, what happens when you ask the question, you know, oh, boy, we can't really have nuclear war. Right. Nuclear proliferation is too broad. It's too great at this point. Um, the war machine has already chased down, um, you know, war into all the places that are really um, rough and not sophisticated. So, you know, you have this war in the Middle East. You know, the, the scope of where it's possible to wage hot war is just getting smaller and smaller. So that wasn't really a viable option for monetary reset this go round. And so a pandemic is a much better model where you don't have to have a hot war Yet uh, all of the West or the whole world is embroiled in a shared saga, a dramatization, a conflict. Um, and when you look at it through that lens, it, it makes a lot more sense why it, none of the pieces add up and why everyone has a feeling that something weird is going on. Um, what, you know, it's, it's, it's a corollary. It's a replacement for hot war. Um, so lockdowns is like sheltering in place. Um, the masks and all these um, uh, movement rules are kind of like nuclear drills, right? They keep you scared. They keep reminding you that you're in this great uh, conflict in society, and that keeps you distracted. And you need to be distracted when they're stealing your future and they're clawing back your freedoms. And they're, you know, listen, Klaus Schwab on, on uh, this video just the other day, um, uh, uh, sort of gleefully talking about how, like, come come here and help me shape the future. Help me sculpt society. Right? That's what I've been saying for two years. Let's set the narrative for the future. That was the one in the Middle East, correct? Uh, I believe it was in Dubai or something like that. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so, you know, so how, how does the old banking families of global central banking actually steer society? And the answer is through these NGOs, like the World Economic Forum, and many others, that's how they interface with the political machine legally. Um, they can do that and they can do it with money, which, of course, they can create money. So um, that's how they steer society. And um, they're doing it right in front of us. It's not it's not hidden. And so, um, of course, this is enough to make rational people crazy. <laughs> this is enough to, to lock you up. Well, it's I mean, it, it's it is driving me a bit crazy because like, to me, it's like, all right. I think, and again, I'm, I probably am an individual who's more uh, in tune with what's going on than most, and maybe I over-index that and, and I'm a bit naive and to how everybody else views this stuff. But it, like, it seems like they're overextending themselves, or moving too fast, or being too blatant with this. Where it's like, hey, like they're, they're sloppy to an extent. Like it should be obvious to everybody, but. With that being said, now it's like, uh, like talking to family members and stuff. They're like, oh, we're going into another lockdown. It's like, what? We're going to get our second booster. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, like COVID's not even, like, is it like, yes, people are getting it. Some people are dying, but it's like nowhere near where it was in the uh, summer of 2020, fall of 2020. Hey, no, I knew when we talked about this in the summer, I knew that. You know, a lot of people were scared about the idea of like genocide, right? Like, is this a depopulation agenda? Who's part of what we're seeing that? And I, you know, I, I checked that and I said, look, we, you know, we've been seeing, um, 
fertility engineering through hormone disruptors for decades now. And the birth rate's been plummeting for decades. So I don't think, that, you know, if, if there's a if there's a eugenics or a Malthusian kind of fear that we're there's a tipping point in terms of population, like we've already been experiencing the programming of you know having a family is selfish, making it really difficult financially to be able to do so, um, down engineering hormone uh, fertility hormones um, through food. Um, through, you know, water perhaps. But we've seen, um, in fact, there's a really great book, Countdown, by um, uh, Dr. Uh, Shanna Swan, uh, which talks through all the um, environmental um, uh, mechanisms that have down-engineered our fertility. And so, like, that, you know, if you have this conversation about is this a depopulation event, that has to be, like, layer one. Is <laughs> like uh, we've already been... Um, inundated with this stuff. Okay. And, and it it works. It's, it's, you know, it's the amount of children that people are having is, is very low. Okay. And people are struggling to have kids and, and, and beyond that, you have this kind of LGBTQ, you know, I, I forgot, I've lost track of how many letters it is, but this kind of mark, this Marxist, um, push to really just attack, um, traditional, you know, the nuclear family, the idea of just, you know, being straight is being, is completely fine and great. Right. Really. And so that's like a layer two on top of that, which is just the, the proliferation of this idea that we should all be secular, um, um, you know, ambiguous kind of beings that are somewhere on the scale, um, uh, you know, somewhere within the LGBTQ gradient and definitely not straight right like there's some there's something there in the cultural push you know it's when people ask you for your pronouns that's almost like saying you know on a scale of um one to ten how gay are you and it better be above a five right (laughs) it's like (laughs) well i think i saw something uh last week or the week before was like they're gonna have an ai put you what is it the kinsey scale or whatever like it tries to measure how gay or straight you are um like they're gonna try and have that scale uh and and have it granularly calculated for you um and give you the, the easy ability to do that which is fucking insane like i had a, i had a very good friend and they're, they're they're feeding this shit to the kids like i had a very good friend in brooklyn before i moved and before he moved he moved ripped his kids out of the public school in brooklyn because they were asking his, his eight-year-old to like place himself on the spectrum between boy and girl like where are you yep. like yes yeah, and it's and, and it's not a zero, right? Yeah, like yeah. how much of a girl are you versus how much of a boy are you? And you know that's that's kind of like um, postmodern psychological warfare, right? That that is spewed forth out of um, classical Marxism, right? And it's this idea that um, you know it's not only you know it, it's not innocent enough. It's 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 not merely making room for the idea that some you know that some people are gay. That's not what's happening here. It's this um, this this attack on the idea of a traditional family, on the idea of traditional gender roles. This idea that it's not okay to be just a straight man or or a woman who wants to be in that female gender role, who wants to be a mom. It's basically making it where the safe space has excluded those things, right? So you're not part of the societal safe space that's being erected as part of this new order, right? So you feel like an outsider if you're like, oh, I, you know, I just want to raise a family traditionally. I want to work. I want to have kids. Um, 
you know, I want to eat steak. I want my wife to be at home, these type of things. Uh, you're being alienated. And, and, and that's kind of a layer above because it's one thing to say like, Hey man, some people are gay, right? Live and let live. And, and everyone should operate that way. Mm-hmm. It's another to be, to be basically, you know, conducting like, um, uh, like drag shows for kindergartens and asking, you know, you know, little kids, you know, having them clarify how gay they are. Yeah. They're not, they're not, not gay. It's like, how gay are you? Exactly. Little boy. Right. Um, every, so every, th- that's a different thing. <laughs> it's a different thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, everybody's at least a little bit gay. Just tell us where you think you fall on that spectrum. It's so fucked, man. It's. And people well, are falling and that's for really it. What, like, that's it really is, what, the, what the pronouns exercise is. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's actually affecting the kids. I mean, you talk to teachers and, and parents who have kids in middle and high school these days, and, and like, you can just look at the statistics, like the amount of children and teenagers that are identifying as uh, sexually you know, fluid or gender fluid, whatever the terms are these days, is, is skyrocketing. When I was a kid, it was very popular to, tr- to treat kids with... Um, ADHD and every, you know, every kid, you know, half the kids in my school were on pharma of some sort, Ritalin and this and that. And it was a big fervor amongst parents. They all thought, oh, this is what we had to do. Um, And that seems to be what's going on, um, at least within progressive communities for this whole trans push. It's just like, um, it's a big fervor. There's pressure to kids to basically, um, as early as possible, confuse the hell out of them about their gender identity, about their sexual orientation, um, install these signals that suggest that it's really not okay to be normal. You have to take on this quirky, um, uh, this quirky identity. Um, and now you add to it the fact that, um, you know, you're in a glass box and you can't see people's faces, right? So this really is some fairly evil um, and really um, cruel an unusual treatment that we're giving to the next generation. So there's going to be a lot of fallout from that as people wake up to this and learn that they've been victimized by some really sick ideology. Again, I'm not saying it's, it's, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be room in society for folks to be individuals, be gay. There, there absolutely should be people should be able to be who they are, but that's, that's really different than a, a orchestrated, coordinated, very broad, from every angle, cultural push to basically eliminate, um, like so, so sort of classical Western um, identities from the safe space. Yeah, and and we already have this data, particularly with people who take uh, hormone blocking uh, treatments that go on to regret it and commit suicide. Like there, there's like a high number of people that that regret doing the the gender change specifically later in life and the, 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 from what i understand a lot of the regret and a lot of their anger is directed at the people who allowed them to do it when they are finally able to recognize they probably did not have the cognitive ability to make a, a decision like that at that point in their life and we're just trying to normalize this uh, across the country and here in america uh, at least right now, which is extremely scary. So, so you can't really have the discussion about is COVID some depopulation agenda without first having the just you know laying down those first two layers and saying, look, we've already um, been at war in that regard. We've already been inundated with this. And so, um, last time we talked, I said, look, 
that covert sort of eugenics has been occurring, right? Is this overt eugenics? Is this, um, and I, I think I've leaned more towards possibly, um, you know, the signals we're seeing with athletes essentially keeling over, um, the signals we're seeing with this broad wave of heart issues that, that mainstream media is having a very difficult time explaining away, um, the signals we're seeing with um, uh, concentration camps, these these, and, and what I'll say is they're politically correct concentration camps. So that you know they, you know, so so these things when you hold them together, it's starting to point more strongly towards a kind of overt um, uh, genocide. And and you know I don't think anyone's been caught red-handed. Um, and so you can't say whether it's explicit or implicit, but it's starting to be visible and point in that direction. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it is a time for plebs to basically not be naive, not be naive, but, you, you know, hold these signals in your hand and say, when I craft my path forward, it's going to be in the face of these. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to take the, I'm not going to act as if you should shed your normalcy bias. Um, that's very different than panicking. Panicking is a is a very um, silly failure mode, right? Mm-hmm. And panicking is like, oh my god, this is it, and you do something drastic, and then um, you know that's a silly silly move. That's not very smart. Um, the, the the right posture is probably like pragmatism, right? The right posture is like, okay, um, I can't say one way or another, but these these growing orchestra of signals are starting to point stronger in this direction. And um, history tells us, you know, it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it, you know, it's, it's, it's very likely a duck. So I, I think where I'm at with it is that, um, you know, it's getting harder to ignore the signals that suggest that we might be seeing a, a type of sort of uh, a type of sort of accidental or not, um, you know, uh, genocide going on. And so, um, uh, I think it's still early, but the rate that we're, you know, you and I talking in summer, I was pushing back against that. I was saying, you know what, covert, sure, that's been happening a long time. I think they were completely happy with that, right? It's not genocide if you kill yourself, if you're doing it to yourself, right? If you're making yourself obese with fiat foods, if you're making yourself infertile by not researching and opting out, right? If you're if you're not taking your kids out of government schools, if you're not, you know, it, that's not really genocide if they're basically putting that out and people are gladly adopting it. And so that's covert eugenics. And, and um, I had assumed that they would be that would be they would be content with that. But there seems to be something beyond that happening. Yeah. I mean, just in the last couple of days alone, I believe AstraZeneca came out and said, oh, actually, like we're finding out that the uh, the, the vaccine that we've been handing out has been creating a, a, a cell protein that is acting like a magnet that is creating blood clots in people's bodies. Like AstraZeneca came out and admitted that this week. Like, hey, this may actually be killing you. And like, again, it makes me just want to like touch on the thesis again, which is, you know, my greater thesis for monetary reset is that Western nations are taking the lead from central banking imperialism's great reset plan. Okay, so they're, they're signaling the Great Reset Plan, and you have these Western nations self-selecting into it. And it's a broad coalition. It's over 100 countries. And the idea is, I mean, it looks a lot. What they're trying to do is claw back um, claw back uh, uh, freedom and rights and assets 
from the masses and um, make room for AI and robotics and then take all these, the, the useless feeder class, which is this large class of the population that they don't believe will be able to find jobs in the future and turn them in, you know, well, what's the right way to say that? Demonetize them, right? So instead of being a liability on your balance sheet, you can turn them into an asset by monetizing this big group of people. So how, how would you monetize people that were previously useless feeders that you believed were uh, net negative? And I think that's where you get into, um, well, you can, you can use them to develop autonomous governance. You can use them to develop general AI. You can use them to test synthetic foods. You can use them to run experiments on for transhumanism. So you can, you know, you have this broad group of people that you can run medical tests on and you can propagate those findings into um, uh, 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 sort of evolutionary gene um, uh, products for the wealthiest uh, people on earth. And, and, you know, that's the answer to, you know, how could you actually roll out a communism uh, a type of new um, social scoring technocracy? How could you actually do that in a way that the bottom line made sense, right? Because, you know, if, if there was nothing to do with all these people, right, you, if, 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 if the, the elite believed that it's just pure net negative and there was no way to make use of all these people on Earth and all they were doing was spoiling the best parts of being, right, spoiling nature, right, then what would, you know, that's a tough place. And then I might lean closer to, yeah, maybe we are seeing a depopulation event, right? But the reason that I don't think that is um, there is a lot of value in human beings. Um, and even if they can't produce value, there's value in using them as products directly. Um, and so I think a little what we're seeing is, you know, Facebook grew to be this massive empire. You don't pay for Facebook, right? So you're the product. Mm -hmm. You're the product of Facebook. They monetize you aggressively. And I think that's what nation states are learning. And part of the Great Reset is an appeal to the Western nations that, like, look, you're about to have a joblessness problem. You're about to have a problem where people can't produce value for society. We're crossing this threshold where robotics and AI are about to take over. You know, you look at Andrew Wang with UBI. Okay, so now what? You're paying everyone in the world. Why? Why are you paying them? You know, why? That doesn't make any sense. And that wouldn't be what happens from a central banking point of view who views the world as a, you know, as a business, as a balance sheet, right? And so how can you take someone from the uh, liabilities column and put them in the assets column? And I think that transhumanism, I think that developing autonomous governance, chasing China down that direction, you know, building um, essentially automatic government, algorithmic government, that can, that means that, um, humans as a product are incredibly useful. And so to me, I'm still skeptical that it's this mass overt genocide, but there might be a dialing down element, right? So you could say, how many humans do we need for these initiatives? And let's dial down to that. And so that's in the back of my mind. I'm looking at that as like a possible motivation for dialing down, yet still trying to uh, swoop up 
uh, big hordes of humans, putting them in these kind of communist technocratic cities, you know, and paying the bill, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about you don't have to own anything. You get your pod, you get your fiat food. Um, and, and, and so for what? What did they get, right? You're giving me Facebook for free. Why? Why this freemium model? And, and so that's, the, that's what they have to work through. And when you look at what the World Economic Forum is pitching to the richest people on earth, they're pitching transhumanism. Mm-hmm. They're pitching merging with machines. They're pitching um, AI. They're pitching robotics, right? And so how do you develop? You know, you're going to evolve the richest people in the world into angels. How, how do you develop those things? You need um, you need uh, a a population to test on. Yeah, you need what is the pigs. vaccine pipeline? Yeah, you need guinea pigs. So that yeah, that's in my mind, and, and these are the things I'm looking for. And this is what keeps me from saying, yeah, this is just a depopulation event because that doesn't make as much coherent sense um, for the next chapter as this kind of fourth industrial revolution pitch does. That makes a lot more sense to me. Right. And it answers the question of why are you going, you know, if you why are you going to give people free housing and food, yeah, even I mean, if it's uh, pods and synthetics? Right. Yeah. Food. I mean, you're, you're essentially describing the, the end conclusion is the matrix. Everybody lives in a pod of vat that just uses your life force as an energy source for these transhumanist beings, if you will. I think if you keep going down the line on a long enough timeline. That's probably where this ends up. Yeah, a long enough timeline. I mean, I think I think um, a better visualization is kind of like uh, Howard Springs, the concentration camp, right? Which is kind of like, it's not the concentration camp you imagined. It's like this woke where you have these doctors being like, yeah, you can't step off your balcony, right? Like, these are the rules. Like, it's, I think it's more that kind of politically correct version of the Matrix, this really annoying soy version that lasts for, you know, 80, 100 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to, again, let's steel man all these too. Like, so that we've been talking about vaccine lockdowns, but another thing that I've been paying attention to more, um, more intensely over the last few months specifically is the, the manufactured energy and food crises that seem to be right around the corner as we head into this winter. Um, you have, you've had the decommissioning of reliable energy extraction, production, electricity delivery over the course of the last couple of decades in Europe and parts of America and other parts of the world. Um, and at, at the same time, uh, you're seeing a, a like decrease in the productivity of uh, crops. Uh, I saw Brazil came out and started warning Brazil, the fourth largest exporter of, of food in the world, came out and, and warned everybody, hey, 2022, we're not going to be producing as much food, as nearly as much food as we have uh, in the future. And they're sort of intertwined the energy and the food uh, because you need natural gas. Uh, a byproduct of natural gas is fertilizer, which allows you to, um, to grow enough food to feed the world. And it seems like right now, price of ammonia, which is a, a very key ingredient in um, these, these fertilizers, is... is spiking to to astronomical levels and it is highly likely that the food prices will trail that very very closely uh, as we head into the winter here you can so yeah, are, i think they're after, they trying to freeze and starve people to death you will more to the point i mean if you want to reboot um uh food that you're buying of your own free will and you're 
using the, the free market to select the, the nutrition you want from your family. And you want to reboot that into a system where you have a central source of government that's doling out synthetic soy food, right? Then you need the equivalent of bread lines from the, um, uh, the Great Depression, mm-hmm. right? And so they're, they're, they're rocking the vending machine back and forth in terms of the economy. They're trying to get it to tilt over, trying to get the this all to collapse while they're printing money. And now they're starting to see, okay, it's working. The prices of commodity, you know, as, as, as money is failing, as, as fiat currency is failing to act as a ruler, as a measure of goods and services, then goods and services then um, are forced to become money, right? So they're, and, and that's why you see everything is starting to climb um, because it, it, it's a sign of pathology, right? It's, it's, you cannot, we can no longer measure what's going on right now. And, and so, so that's key, but they actually need shortages in order to create a situation where people are forced to go to have essentially bread lines. Right. Mm-hmm. And that gives the ability to um, pivot the entire food supply. And so I, you know, I think uh, several plebs have pointed out why is Bill Gates buying all this farmland? Why is he booting up these synthetic soy um, soy uh, operations. And I think um, the answer to that is probably something like the government, um, this this social scoring technocratic en- enterprise is promising him a forever monopoly in pod food. But in order to shift the population into it, they need to collapse the current, um, uh, because it, it, the, the truth is it's actually fairly um, robust. It's It's fairly good, even though there's a lot of problems with it. But like, People are able to feed themselves steak and meat, and they're able to feed themselves OJ and like uh, be relatively healthy. And, and you're not going to funnel everyone into this new system, which is part of the value proposition of the Great Reset, without first collapsing the old one. And so, just like they're going to collapse um, the fiat monetary order as a, as a way to reboot people into, you know, part of that reset is to get you into uh, central banking surf money. Um, they'll have to do the same so that you're not able to freely go down to the grocery store and buy your ribeye. Instead, that you're, you know, you're, you're outraged and you're going to the government saying, feed me. And they say, we're happy to do that. And they can use that to funnel everyone into this new way of living where you're getting your soy subsistence um, for free. Right. Um, yeah. And, and th- then they'll be able to tie that to social scoring. Right. Like, OK, you behaved very well. We're sending you, you know, a Wagyu steak this month or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and so I think, you know, from a business, you know, think about it as like an executive from an executive point of view, that makes a lot of sense. That transition plan. I don't think it's just to starve out people. I think it's to reboot food in the same way that they're rebooting, uh, money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be funny to see if it works though. I and mean, it actually does wind up starving people because nobody actually wants to eat it. I, I think I saw you retweeted something or tweeted something out of, I mean, just the, the famous picture of a supermarket aisle when there's a big storm or something, all the soy sludge is, is untouched. Um, like, is, is it, like, are people going to, are people going to actually eat the sludge when, when it, uh, it's given to them as their only option? Maybe desperation gets, gets high enough. And that's, that's another mechanism too. Like, is it, is it a, a combination of that attempt to transition the food supply to the sludge as well as get people desperate enough where they can then exert more control over them because uh, yes. people are scared and desperate. They will, they will cede more liberties. 
I think um, a lot of it depends on people's financial stability, right? Because if you can be roped into uh, serfdom because through um, reliance on the state, then then and I think a large percentage of people, at least in the United States, will be. And, and so it's a, it's a it's a very sad and, and tragic thing. But at the same time, uh, I think their efforts might also be serving to further decentralize food. Um, mm-hmm. And so you see you see modern tea man and 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 uh, uh, um, uh, untapped growth, and you see basically. Um, food processing efforts to basically unlock food processing locally and, and put it back in the hands of the people so that you can just go to your rancher locally. You can do localism. Um, you, so you see uh, you see an effort, uh, a movement of people trying to unlock, make food easy again, make food, uh, g- give license back to the plebs in order to feed ourselves. And, and um, I, I think in I think some experiments will succeed and um, I think there's a lot to be said about networking with ranchers, shaking their hands, um, making sure you can uh, buy a cow and, and fill a freezer. And I think um, that could be a return to older ways, butchers, rancher processing. And so um, I think you'll get both outcomes. And, and, you know, thankful for Bitcoiners, we know we know that one one path is clearly preferable. Yes. Maybe this is an opportunity to, to uh, focus more on an optimistic view of the future. Like that, what uh, Texas Slim and Untapped Growth are doing, highlight like, uh, actionable things that are, that are actively working against the, the Great Reset and their, their efforts to control us. Um, and I think we're going down, we're an hour into this conversation, we've been describing their tactics and um, their intention and how successful they are. But I think uh, we should try to uh, give a white pill out there as well. Like we can be successful with the counterpunch, um, as well. Yeah. I mean, plebs ask how I stay white plebs. I mean, the fact is I've never been so optimistic. A a hero's journey requires, um, a bunch of adversity and conflict. And so in, in a weird way, COVID has been this huge gift for so many, um, men who, who realize like now's the time to become um, a strong man so that we can leave this soft era behind. And so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a calling. And, and, and I think there's huge hope and excitement in that. I've never felt more alive. And, and um, you know, it, it was hard at first when I realized what was happening when the light bulb came on in. But as I put the pieces together, I realized, um, you know, Bitcoin is, <laughs> it's succeeding. I wouldn't want to be the state right now. I mean, like, look, d- don't they look feeble and, and at a loss? Like you have a Hillary, Hillary Clinton doing the, you know, they're sending her to do the rounds on interviews being like, oh, this really could destabilize nations. A year ago, they were pretending that they were laughing at it, that it can never uh, be money. And so, um, you know, I, I, I think if you're the state, you're in a really bad position. And, and I hope that explains my optimism because, you know, if, if you stay zoomed out, you can play the board. There's a lot of awesome moves and um, there's a lot of room to become um, a, a, a kind of prolific uh, household and think about, you know, start thinking about your family 
uh, start thinking about things in in terms of you know not just decades but centuries, right? There's a, there's a lot of you know I think gr- some great households are being made right now. We're banding together and we're thinking about how to um, resist the the absolute centralization of power and rights and um, society is being decentralized at many layers. And so you want to stay clued into those things. You want to lean into those things. That's where hope is coming from. It's, you know, it's not about defeating the great reset. I, you know, I, 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 I observe monetary reset and I observe the great reset because I, I, I don't want to be naive. I want to, I want to see what's happening so that I can compare that with how I'm behaving. Right. I compare that with my own, trajectory and direction of my, my, my family and my close friends and the, the, the plebs and nims that I hang out with online. I want to help my people. And, um, what I can say is like the window, the, you know, Bitcoin has gotten to a point where they, uh, they can't stop it anymore. Too, too many moneyed people have adopted Bitcoin that, um, it, so, so, so the, the best the state can hope to do is allow their, their moneyed constituents to have Bitcoin exposure through um, uh, institutions that they can control um, and then prevent Bitcoin as acting as an escape hatch for the individual, right? Um, And so that's the best the state can do right now. And I think what that means is um, they'll need to, they'll need to eliminate, I mean, they really have to attack only two, they have two things left to attack. And it's very problematic for them. So one is um, they'll have to attack self-custody, the idea that you could hold your keys. Um, and, and the reason is, is if, if you hold your keys to your Bitcoin, um, not only does it um, erode the ability for them to fractionalize the supply, so it creates this, this true absolute um, uh, 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 finite supply, which, again, that, that, that completely destroys the state's command over seniorage, and they can't steal your time. So the more people that hold their keys, um, the, the, the less the government's able to fund unlimited ventures. Um, but the bigger thing is that it's, they can't censor your, your payment. So once you hold your keys, you say where that Bitcoin goes, you say when, and, uh, and if people want your Bitcoin at the end of the day, you have to give them permission. And, and that doesn't mean you can't be tortured. It doesn't mean they can't kill your family. It just means you have to say it's okay. You get to. And um, that puts them in a terrible place for confiscating Bitcoin, right? You know, you, if they started um, rounding people up and trying to, you know, torture them for their keys, like it's just going to spook people. People will flee to the to other jurisdictions. So it's, it's a, it's, it puts them in a terrible place from a confiscation point of view, Um uh, and the other thing is, is that the moneyed constituents that they have to uh, satisfy, they also understand that they need to hold their keys. Um, even if they're using a custodian, they want the custodian uh, uh, answering to them, not the government, right? If you have mm-hmm. billions of dollars in Bitcoin, you don't want to be beholden uh, to the state. And so the state's in a really sketchy place um, from a self-custody point of view. They've kind of let the cat too far out of the bag. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure how they can claw that back. To be honest, I've thought through this pretty heavily, and I think this is what where we're seeing um, this cyber pandemic uh, groundwork being laid. This, uh, you know, this idea that okay, um, 
next there's going to be a pandemic in in the internet um and and the idea is that these great reset countries could band together and and say oh my gosh there was this big you know cyber attack terrorist attack we need to take control of the internet we need to force you to use digital identity to log in it's very convenient because you're already getting digital id for your central bank currency so now you need that to log on to the internet and we need to watch what you're doing because you know the old way doesn't work anymore we need to restore trust in the internet just like we're restoring trust in food and restoring trust in money and um, i think that what they're hoping is that they could say also you know you you need to use this wallet or um, uh, you're not going to be able to withdraw your bitcoin from exchanges so so it needs to be with institutions that we sort of mint and say, okay, these are approved, regulated institutions. And so, um, and, and the reason we have to do that is because this cyber pandemic, right? And and um, and I, I think they're going to try and do it in a coordinated, concerted way where you have over 100 countries buy into this with NATO and, and all that and basically say, this is what we're doing to the internet. And this is how you erect a... Um, a great firewall of the West that looks a lot like what they're doing in China. And, and so, I, you know, I think the, the window on that is closing pretty fast. Um, and, uh, well, you know, Bitcoin already, um, already is fairly resistant to that. Although what I will say is there needs to be additional focus on kind of like a mesh net localism. Um, so, and, and, and because Bitcoin is layered, like theoretically, you could you could like have liquidity zones in various like free states, for example. So you could have like a Texas mesh net powered by um, Wi-Fi in close proximity, which is fairly fast, and a LoRa LoRa net um, to 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 connect a little bit further range. And you could have completely off-grid um, uh, uh, localism, like a con- full economies running off lightning and and so the 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 further along we get in terms of launching like local circular economies based on bitcoin um the better because it puts us in a place where you know the responsibility is like a node or a vendor is slowly growing right it used to be you run your node um right so you're not trusting you know you have your own copy of the the time chain and and now you have like your own lightning liquidity and I could see that growing over time to include things like guerrilla mining. So you like you have a miner at home that's uh, providing hash support, and and also like um, like you're you're joining like your your localism mesh net. So so you, the, the, like the power of the off grid local economy grows, and um, I, I I could see something like that starting like a Bitcoin renaissance. Like it, imagine if not only going to Texas, you knew that. Um, that the, the local government was kind of pushing back against uh, uh, the Great Reset and 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 providing air cover for mining operations to sort of get entrenched. And you also knew that there was like off-grid lightning localism, right? Like think of those elements in terms of attracting brilliant capitalists, right? Attracting freedom lovers. And so I think that could create a um, a feedback loop that that starts a um, a Bitcoin renaissance that really can't be stopped. I mean, what do you do at the point where you can't even shut the internet down, uh, where you just have a group of self-sufficient, uh, technologically advanced people just keep humming along, right? Like, what do you do then? And, and so I, I think the Bitcoin space needs to answer that a little better, but luckily it's like, 
all the technologies are pointing towards that, and it's possible. We it's possible to to build a prototype of a mesh net localism uh, local economy uh, now. You, you, that that should be possible. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to be the state in this position, like trying to trying to capture Bitcoin as opposed to eliminate it. It's a very hard um, nut to crack. Oh, and also you have things like Taproot, and you 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 know you it's slow, but you still see the ebb of progress bending towards private privacy. So it, it's, those two things are very bad for the state. It's really a really bleak situation. And so I figured maybe they have like five years to maybe two, three years left to, to pull something off. But okay. Even if a hundred plus great reset countries came out and said, okay, we're going to choke our exchanges. You won't be able to withdraw. You won't be able to deposit any of your sats that are in your wallets. Like those are, blacklisted right so you can't interact with the fiat economy with those um even if they did that it would only take a couple jurisdictions in the world to basically see that as an opportunity for themselves and be like ooh, (laughs) that they would attract all this capital all this wealth And, and that would be enough that it would essentially create a permanent escape hatch um that would dissolve the state um permanently so um, I think they're in a tough place, and and it's from this point of view that I am very optimistic because you know, if if I had to choose to be with the bad guys or the good guys, the bad guys are in a really brutal place, and even though the tyranny that we're seeing is terrifying, and and I don't think we're at cl- uh, peak clown world yet, I think that that you know they're in a in a pretty rough place as far as ultimately winning. Yeah, no, I completely agree, and like a couple points there. Just to, to riff on on that very eloquent and beautiful rant you just went on. Uh, I th- again, everybody likes to like try to do some retrospective on the supply schedule of Bitcoin, and like it should have been more flat. And but I think the way Satoshi did it, it was fucking beautiful, and has given us this advantage that you uh, just described there in terms of the state being in a very hard place, uh, like having to go after custodians and institutions um, where where a lot of Bitcoin is centralized a lot of the uh, in in specific wallets owned by specific corporations that the state can um can manipulate to a certain extent but with that being said there was so many so much bitcoin distributed to the market in the early days there's so much free floating bitcoin in 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 wallets that are controlled by individuals that's it's a it's a gigantic mountain to climb for them um and then two uh it's not really adding anything to what you said is it's trying to get you to extrapolate on the mesh network stuff. That's something that you, you really plan to seed in my mind in my D in our DMS. It had to be a few months ago where you described the idea of these local lightning network mesh nets and the way you described, it, I don't know if you remember when you first brought it up to me, it was like, they can shut down the internet, but you can, if we build out the infrastructure quick enough, the mesh net infrastructure, like the, the main chain protocol may not produce blocks for weeks on end. However, if you have the Lightning Network running on a mesh net, that can still operate. And then you, you just have the Lightning Network working on the mesh net. And then when the internet eventually gets turned back on, you can start um, confirming transactions uh, at the protocol layer. Like, How do you see that playing out? And what, what type of infrastructure is necessary to make that possible? Well, so, okay, if you think about if they if they were going to pull a cyber pandemic, um, like a PSYOP, the, the reality is, is that like 
they can't shut everything. Okay. And so what do I mean by that? Um, some type of event where they say there's a, my, a mass cyber attack that's like multi-nation state cyber attack that infects everything and they can act like the victim and they have to take this big aggressive stance towards fixing the internet, right? In the same way that you know COVID allowed them to do that in terms of you can no longer move freely, right? You, you know, and so they they stepped through all your rights in, in, in the physical space, a cyber you know, pandemic would let them step through all your rights in the digital space. And, and, um, but the reality of it is, is um, as a nation state, even though that's a huge um, boon, right, to upgrading your statecraft, like you can uh, unilaterally upgrade your governance model if, if, if you pulled off that um, uh, PSYOP, but the, it has limits, right? Like how long could you allow um, the internet or even like power be off before you had, you know, just catastrophic chaos. And the answer is probably like maybe 18 hours, right? <laughs> like you can't go weeks, you can't go weeks, you just can't. And if they did, they're asking for, uh, you know, a type of Mad Max, <laughs> like uh, 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 you'd pass like a Mad Max threshold that you couldn't come back from. Um, and so, you know, just, you know, from their point of view, I don't think they want total destruction of all their own infrastructure assets, right? They actually just want the control. They want to share of that control. So, so I think about it as, okay, so Bitcoin is what? Bitcoin is a time chain that, that does settlement, settlement layer. And Lightning is a layer on top of that that allows payments. And so, you know, let's say, and, and does Lightning need the central internet? No, I mean, at, at its root, the internet is not central. The internet is decentralized, but there's central points of failure that the government could easily attack or pretend to attack. They could, they could say there's a massive solar flare, and so they have to shut everything down to protect the infrastructure, right? Um, so you could start having like internet lockdowns because they're anticipating, um, anticipating uh, the cyber, you know, uh, uh, pandemic now, right? And so. You, you know, you could imagine them doing that in the same way they're doing it in the physical space. And then so then the question becomes and, and it's not like they would have to shut the whole Internet down. Right. You could just. So like the Internet backbone is this massive. It's like a tunnel that runs through the oceans and it connects the continents. Right. And um, the NSA, they tap directly into that, um, those fiber lines. And that's how they eavesdrop on all data um, so, like every email you've ever sent has definitely been surveilled because the, you know they're not integrating with Gmail and Proton Mail. They're just they're they're vacuuming it off the internet backbone, right? And those things require power. And um, so you you know you can easily give the internet split brain. Split brain in in networking terms means that uh, you've taken a big network and now you've turned it into like five different pieces. You've chopped it up and it can't communicate with each other. So they could do that to the internet, right? And and that would be problematic to Bitcoin, right? Because Bitcoin relies on the global internet being connected. <laughs> so if you gave the internet split brain, um, you the settlements would stop, or, or or they wouldn't stop per se. But the way the consensus protocol works is that the longest chain wins. And so what you would want to do, if you're North America and you can no longer communicate with other continents, what you would want to do is stop settle, settling. And the reason you would want to do that is you know when after the 18 hours or whatever, when the, 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 the internet partition has been resolved, you know that the longest chain would win. So somebody, <laughs> you know, some group of settlements are going to be kicked out. Mm -hmm. 
and, and, and so, you know, that's scary when, you know, you hear me say this is an attack vector because most people aren't very technical. So they're like, oh, my gosh, settlements can stop. But I actually it doesn't scare me too much because I, I think like most things, if this attack were performed on Bitcoin, it would only make it more stronger. And the reason is, is, um, OK, so first of all, there are already ideas about using um, long range radio and satellite in order to act as a relayer to basically um, uh, allow settlement to continue, even if the Internet backbone um, was severed. Um, the Blockstream already has um, uh, uh, read satellite endpoints that you could basically download the blockchain, but they haven't worked through where you pu- where miners could publish from satellite. Um, but uh, as more providers like you know um, uh, Elon's uh, internet uh, uh, satellite company come online, right? Internet is not just over wires. So as as that evolves, it becomes harder and harder to give the internet split brain. So so you recognize that you know it would take a lot of coordination. A lot of necks had to be choked in order to make to truly split the internet. That would be very difficult. Um, but even if it did, even if you did that. Um, these uh, uh, network relays could be developed in order just to, to drag settlement along. And so fees would go crazy. It would be out of control, but it would be possible to get continuity. Even with the Internet being broken down, it's technically possible to build uh, to build into that direction. So that doesn't exist now. If they split, if they gave the Internet split brain, Bitcoin would stop. Um, however, that settlement What's interesting is when you start thinking about payments, because in our day-to-day life, you don't need settlement. You need payments. I need to be able to pay my rancher. I need to be able to get my my meat, right? And so this is what's interesting with Lightning. Already you have people geeking out on making little um, like community-wide um, infra nets over mesh net. So you can take your Wi-Fi router, you can install custom firmware on it, and you can, can create a little local internet that you control. Mm-hmm. And you could, you can run that off of power that you control, right? So as people are getting more nervous about these type of events, they've been, they've been figuring out, you know, generators, gas, solar. So they've been becoming more independent from a power point of view. Well, now you can fold in communications through MeshNet. You and your uh, local area can actually lean in that direction. And what's interesting is Bitcoin should be able to run. Uh, you should be able to run a Lightning. Uh, uh, pool through that i mean you should be able to do commerce and so the way i see things developing right now is not only will you have this like kind of bottoms up um from the plebs where people are playing with mesh net they're playing with communications that aren't over the main internet they're playing with little uh off-grid local economies using lightning but you can also have this kind of top-down development where um, maybe like Blockstream or the main Bitcoin developers are thinking through what happens if the internet backbone's offline. Do we have a story there? So you can attack it from both ends. And what happens is the window on this attack is closing, right? The, the, the technology is growing in that direction. And so I'm still optimistic when I think about this because, uh, you know, if you pulled, tried to pull that attack off, it would only act as a catalyst that pulled all available resources onto developing these two ends, right? So if you made it where Bitcoin couldn't settle for 18 hours and then they went off on this pathological 
cyber pandemic narrative and we saw where that was going, Blockstream and all the Bitcoin developers could stop and say, okay, number one priority is um, long distance radio relay for settlement, satellite relay for settlement. And then plebs can say, we need teams making um, MeshNet localism prototypes so that we can start figuring out how do we evolve the role of a Bitcoiner, right? Because today you run your node. You have Bitcoiners saying, oh, I'm going to do home mining. I'm going to grab a black box and I'm going to throw hash at the network. Okay, I could see, you know, why wouldn't that extend to MeshNet localism in time? Yeah, no, I, I think that's the logical uh, progression of things. Right? And it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and I hope we get to a point where we don't have to wait for that, that 18-hour internet shutdown for people to be shocked into action to, to begin building out these things. It's like, I, I want to make, and this is a call out to the plebs, not a call out, but a, a call to action. Um, like, let's start working on mesh networks more seriously. It's something that fascinates me, and I think we should definitely prioritize it. I mean, alternative relay, transaction relay networks are, are critical to making Bitcoin as robust as possible. Um, and again, like the posturing from Christine Lagarde and Hillary Clinton specifically, they are starting to build the narrative that Bitcoin is going to be the reason for financial collapse and, and it needs to be attacked. And you see it from other angles too. That's what the ESG and the mining energy FUD um, are part of that as well. And so we just need to make sure that we're making this as robust as possible in the meantime. Yeah, when Lagarde talks about escape, I mean, Really what, what happens is you end up with, okay, you end up with part of the world that um, they're, they're marked uh, based on their loyalty and they're given continuity. So they're made whole, they're delivered through reset and they're made, and, and, and the, the sort of the powers that be ensure that they can operate in the next uh, long cycle. Um, and it looks a little bit like the uniform for that is uh, COVID compliance, um, companies with ESGs on their balance sheets, um, and um, and 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 nation states that are buying vaccines through um, through the SDR mechanism. So they're actually ending up with SDRs on their balance sheet. So I think that that is actually what uh, central banking imperialism is using to mark loyalists in order to give them continuity through reset. So I think if you don't have if you're not playing that game, you're basically in the other faction that they're going to try and make a bag holder of. <laughs> right? You're going to pay for monetary reset. You're going to pay to bail out the world. And so um, unvaccinated um, people are, are a great example of at like the individual level. Right. You've been marked as a as a you know, you're against you're not going with the flow um, companies that don't play the green game. You know, you're mark. You're basically saying you're not going with the flow. Countries that don't uh, do the vaccine thing, right? You're marking yourself as you're, you don't want continuity through reset. So I think, um, I think that's the actual mechanism for reset. It's all taking this COVID shape, and probably the same thing with cyber. Like if you're not on board with this NATO alliance that will that will do this, you know, global cyber, you know, uh, against you know whatever it is, whatever they end up calling it, cyber terrorism, um, <laughs> then then you, you know, you have not marked yourself for continuity through reset. And so um, that, that's how I think to, to gauge it. I think, I think we're going to see the peak of reset in 2025 is what it feels like. So I think that's when we'll get peak clown world. I think it'll just keep getting weirder and weirder um, between now 
in 2025. Um, and then I, I suspect what they want is between 2025 and 2030, they're, they're relaunching society, right? Like they're letting people go, you know, they're, they're calming down the insanity. They're allowing people to feel like a regular rhythm. Um, and I, I think what they're hoping is that by 2030 through COVID and cyber, that they've been able to sort of um, consolidate the world into a kind of like an Eastern social scoring technocracy, um, which is like China, and, and and then also a Western social scoring technocracy, which is like, um, you can probably think of it as like an EU, uh, US conglomeration. Um, so COVID and cyber are being used to create that regionalization, that consolidation. And when you hear them talk about like net zero 2050, I think the idea is, is in 2030, we'll combine the world and just to a handful of technocracies of different values, Western values, Eastern values, two technocracies, all social scoring, right? So all um, social scoring, um, autonomous governance, right? And by 2050, we'll use environmentalism, you know, climate, and we'll use probably like UFOs, something like aliens, and we'll use that to combine the East and West. And you'll finally, you'll get a one world um, technocracy all based on AI governance. And so I think that that's their greater plan. Um, and you'll have this nanny state that they can, you know, everyone's living for free um, unless you're in the top tier of society and, and they're aggressively monetizing you by treating you like, you know, a product. And, and I think that's the weird aim that they're at, but um, I think they're losing fairly badly. And so I want to get into the 10 things that I recommend for plebs um, that have been treating me well, have been treating my family well, treating my friends well about what we can do. And I think um, I, I would say take heart. I mean, the, the future is extremely bright. Um, not only is Bitcoin working, but, y y you know, you have to remember the world is fairly big. And um, a lot of what you're being shown on TV um, of this sort of uh, uh, overreach of tyranny um, that they have a strong incentive to make it seem like it's everywhere and it's and it's this really loud uh, far-reaching thing but the truth is the cost of tyranny it's not cheap to do what they're doing it's extremely expensive and um, really you know they need to do it in kind of population centers and then broadcasting everything over the media makes it feel like they're everywhere but i don't actually think that that's how it is and i so i've come up with 10 things uh, that i'm doing that i recommend folks do in order to navigate through reset in order to build a a household for the ages um and so let's do it and marty i'll just riff back and forth with you on it sounds like a plan we have it up on the screen here so anybody watching the live stream can see the list. Let's start start chugging through it. Yeah. So the first one is just stop complying. All of the, everything that you see that you know the increasing insanity, clown worldism of it is mostly because people are kind of they're trying to take the path of least resistance. They're trying to avoid any um, any uh, friction in their own situation, and and they don't fully appreciate how much that is enabling this right and so by letting every little small thing happen um now you have these woke concentration camps in australia right so like every every step towards that was someone moving out of the way because they didn't want to take on the burden of of, of uh, denying it 
Um, and so it's really important to have a posture where you're basically saying no. The power of no is absolutely incredible. And so just by saying no, um, by just merely not following anything that's going on, by not giving it any credence, not giving it any – don't award it any value. Just disregard it. Say no. Be loud about it. Um, whether that's uh, public disobedience, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. If the Uber driver asks you to put your mask on, say thank you. I'll I'll, I'll get another one. Yeah, stop pl- playing along. That uh, you know that's a big part of this, and it'll it'll give you confidence too when you realize you you're, you're not complying in any shape. Um, so that's number one. Number two is to dump big tech. Um, a lot of what we're seeing with this World War Three is not just in the physical realm; it's in digital realm. They're coming. It's not boots on the ground. Um, everywhere. A lot of it's digitally. You know, you see the the move, Jack left Twitter and you have this new CEO. You know, the safe space maximalism is just beginning, right? Not only are they going to push out any anyone that has wrong think, but they're going to capture everything you say and record it. And they're going to crunch that those communications with AI and they're going to find out which side you're on. And, you know, the, the, the best move is simply to opt out. Stop using um, uh, Windows and and Apple OS and stop using your iPhone and stop using Gmail and stop using all these big tech services and take your core communications and your core mobile experience away from big tech. I'm talking about things like um, putting a de-Googled Android OS on your phone like Graphene OS, um, which feels exactly like Android, but it just eliminates uh, uh, all the the surveillance and it, it increases the security significantly. I'm talking about taking your communications from SMS and putting it in like Element, um, which is a matrix uh, uh, chat app that has end-to-end encryption. You should be using that instead of Telegram. You can create groups, you can do conference calls, you can do video calls, and it's completely private. So don't feed the machine. Yeah, I mean, you've got me on to it. The experience is no different than... Telegram. If not, it's probably actually better from a UX perspective. It's a little sleeker, in my opinion. And that's uh, that's free open source software. So you know you can self host. You can self host home servers, and you can you can run it in such a way that you can create a truly unstoppable and private community to congregate with your people. Um, so I highly recommend um, leaning into Element. Um, I've heard good things about Session. Signal is even good for, you know, even though Signal has a shitcoin now and, and, and um, they expose your phone number and that metadata, it's still nice that you could get like your family and your uncle and your grandma on Signal. That's a nice step up from SMS and at least it protects the, the, the content. And so, you know, a good way to think about it is like, okay, so in my life, I use Signal for friends and family that I have real life contact with that already have my phone number. Right. So might as well just upgrade them to signal instead of using SMS. It's very low friction. Everyone gets a sense of, oh, this is nice. Right. Don't feed the machine. Um, with my uh, Bitcoin contacts, I use um, uh, Element, which is Matrix. Right. So I, I have these communities and we talk and, and it's I'm not feeding the machine. I, I'm leaning into encryption, leaning into privacy. Um, and so that's really good. That's super good. Um, and I also use session in various um uh, uses. And so like, you know, you could have for, for each kind of group of contacts you have, you can use a different app. The point is, um, 
I, I, I highly recommend against using just standard communications. Uh, email, it doesn't matter if you're using ProtonMail. Um, there is no such thing as private email. That protocol can never be made private. Every email that's ever been sent has been um, uh, vacuumed off the internet backbone. Um, the, I do recommend using ProtonMail over like a Gmail because you can cut down on corporate surveillance, but the, the problem is, is that that protocol is basically dust, like it's irredeemable. So um, move your communications to chat apps like uh, Element. Yeah, I, I use email. Like when I use email, it's very, uh, very politically correct. It's strictly for business and very like politically correct language, assuming that um, you are being surveilled the whole time. I like guess just if somebody went through my emails, there'd be. And, and, and probably putting a target on my back now, but like I don't think there's anything that uh, would. Uh, I don't have the discussions like we would in Elements on on via email. It's just not a good uh, not a good strategy as you're describing here. Well, especially if you're you know the most important thing that's incurring on Earth right now is the thing that that you definitely don't want to be discussing over open channels, <laughs> right? So you're discussing monetary reset, you're discussing great reset, you're discussing how Bitcoin is going to um, eliminate seniorage from the state. So all these things, um, you know, build the, the good habits of, of using private systems. Um, for, for like your laptop, like, so, so I always talk about like I've been helping my dad with this and that. If my dad can do it, you can too. My dad dumped Windows and he uses Linux Mint. And Linux Mint feels exactly like Windows except all of the junk is ripped out and he prefers it. He used it for a week and he was like, I can't believe I was using Windows. I should have been using this. And uh, so, you know, get your parents off Windows. Get yourself off Windows. Linux Mint's a great alternative if you use Windows. Um, my MacBook Pro, I run Elementary on it, Elementary Linux, and it's a replacement for uh, Mac OS. It's awesome. It feels just like Mac OS, but I'm not feeding the machine. I'm not feeding the beast. I'm saying no. I'm leaning into free, open software. So um, that's what I recommend. Same thing, dump Gmail. If move to ProtonMail. Yes, it's not private, but at least you're not feeding Google, right? They are, they are aggressively... Um, absorbing that content and using it to drive AI models, and and uh, and they're a direct extension of the state. So I, you know, I, I just I wouldn't go in that direction. Now is the, if there's ever a time to move away, now would be the time. Um, so yeah, that's number two. We have stopped complying and dump big tech. Um, the next, yeah, number three. So I, I've been preaching this a while. I, I I think that it's wise to minimize your true name. Um, and what I mean by that is, okay, so you're John Doe, you interface with the public world, you have a career, right? So you might be a, um, a web developer. Okay. So then you have a LinkedIn, um, you probably have a portfolio, leave it at that. That's enough of your true name. It's apolitical. Have that online. You can even replace your face with a really cool professional illustration. You could use a, a memoji from Apple, a little professional memoji. So you don't have to have everything about your true name plastered online. Um, there's services that you can use that will eliminate very obvious stuff, like your, uh, you know, get your addresses out of um, these. Uh, you know, if I search um, uh, uh, John Doe, I can find his exact address very easily, right? And so. 
Um, there's services that'll remove you from from those uh, directory listings. I don't have it on hand, but you could just say remove me from um, uh, address registries. Um, and there's services that will do that. And you know, I think there's good logic to the idea that you're relatively discreet as a person. You have this public apolitical career as your identity, and that's it. You don't have your Instagram and your Facebook, and you don't have this long detail describing everything all your political views, everything you do in life, I would pull that back, have this apolitical professional thing. And then what does that mean? Does that mean you're just in the woods and you don't talk about anything that interests you? No, but push everything that's in this gray area into a NIM. Create a NIM, create a persona, and uh, you know, li- make, make contacts, make, you know, live, live there. Anytime you're getting into ideology, ideology that's divisive or threatens the the power structure, there's no reason to tag that with your your real name. Now, let's say you're you're a Bitcoin uh, persona like you, Marty. Yeah, your face is out there. Okay, got it. But you might not use your legal name. You might have some separation there, right? You might be have street smarts. That's all I'm getting at, plebs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, my face is out here. Um, uh, skipping like I, I don't have to worry about this now. I, I think I've made myself unemployable and uh, <laughs> and uh, have got myself into a position. I, I, I mean, I'm very fortunate where I'm able to sustain myself. I don't have to worry. I deleted my LinkedIn. I I, I don't have to worry about bosses seeing my political views. Um, and yes, I wear it on my sleeve. I'm, fortunate that I can do that. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're in a position where, um, you, you have a job and you, you need to report to somebody that, that may not politically align with your views of the world, uh, a NIM is the way to go. And then like on that note too, when you're making your NIM, make sure you do it in a way and you use best practices that uh, ensure that it's very hard to tie back to your, to your real name too. So use a burner email. Um, if you're spinning up accounts on Twitter and stuff like that, try not to attach any phone numbers that are connected to your actual name. Um, try to use a, a burner phone to do all that stuff and, um, and think about best practices around creating your NIM. And even with the NIM, I mean, you know, don't, it's easy, it's easy to assume that doesn't grant you immunity, right? Like still um, be, you know, I recommend like a good posture with a NIM is to be like classy, you know, be this kind of top shelf thinker. Um, it's it's better to be that. Don't don't be the guy that's like rooting for violence. You know, don't don't be the, the guy that's having like emotional spirals or rooting for violent uh, violent. A nim doesn't won't protect you from making yourself a political uh, uh, target. I mean, um, so so you know, always I I, I always recommend, especially when you get into divisive stuff, just be classy. Like the, the, it gives you so, so much room to, to operate and move if you're just a classy person, you know, be a pacifist, be a, but you can still be a thinker. You can still be a thinker and you can still um, opine in terms of like what posture pe- people should have to, to get to go through these these bizarre times we're going through. Yeah. Hand up. I need to be better and work towards becoming more classy, even with my with my. Uh... No, this is personally like I, I want to. I, I do get heated, and uh, I have been known to fed post every once in a while. But you don't fed post; it's not, it's not, uh, not worth it. Yeah. No, I can't recommend fed posting. Reduce <laughs> noticing to a minimum. Yes. Um, okay. 
Fauci gets me angry sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number four. Um, number four. Okay, so I this is I hope painfully obvious at this point, but um, I I don't recommend staying in population center. I don't recommend staying in New York. I don't recommend staying in San Francisco. I think that um, uh, you know in Sydney. I think I think I think you should probably plan on positioning yourself outside of a city. Um, and, and the reason I think that is that um, if you're the state, if you're executing monetary reset, you're um, taking the lead on, uh, on following through this great reset, um, you, you want to do it in the place where the investment you make on tyranny, it gives high returns. Right. Mm-hmm. So the cost, the cost of tyranny on cities is very low and the return is very high. And so a lot of what you see, if you think through all the COVID videos, you think through all the stuff you've seen, that's all in population centers. And the, and, and the answer to that is, is just it's very simple. Uh, the further away you get from the city, the more expensive it becomes to bring tyranny to people's doorsteps. It's just like it's not a very good investment. Right. Um, and this is why when you look at reset and wars and over the past, um, the wise people, the people with wealth, especially that you look at what the wealthy do, they typically immediately go out in the boonies to where there's low population density. Um, and so I, I think, you know, we can learn from that. Um, when you look at the World Economic Forum's pitch for fourth industrial revolution, it's all based around the idea of smart cities. And so, you know, that's the progressive way of saying um, they're going to build these panoptic cities that have social scoring gates that uh, you can only do um, whatever your social score allows you to do. And you'll have physical and digital gates that control your behavior. That's what they're aiming at. That's not for hill country in the middle of, you know, uh, rural America. That's for cities. That's for blue cities, blue states. So I think um, it's just it's, you can very easily say, well, I don't want to be there. <laughs> right? And I, I think it's good advice. Um, I was in the city um, in 2019. And when I saw this coming, I realized, yeah, they're not bringing this. They're not bringing this out in the country. They're going to do it where they get a great investment, where the, when mainstream media shows them doing it, it looks like, you know, it's affecting everyone. Um, you know, I, I'm out in the South in a free state now. And um, if I didn't look at my phone, if I didn't look at the news, I wouldn't know that COVID's happening anymore. I haven't seen a mask in a long time. I come and go as I please. I, uh, you know, and, and everyone around me is that way. And I'm not saying... Um, just go out into the middle of nowhere. I mean, the fact is people have careers. Um, so just be pragmatic. Um, I have friends who live uh, 90 minutes out of the city, and that's enough where you could see the drop-off of weirdness rapidly, right? You go 90 minutes outside, and it feels like you're in a different world in terms of COVID response. And so you could use COVID as a proxy for tyranny and use that as a, as a measure, in terms of how affected you'll be in the coming years. And as you travel further outside from like the epicenter of a city, you'll see there'll be a steep drop-off at some point. Um, So I have friends who live right outside that drop-off, and their plan is to have like a bailout place that's a little further into a country. They're doing like a a cabin with their wife. So they're like, oh, we'll make a vacation place and we'll have a bailout spot. And So it's like a two-part thing. And, and that's because he has a career, he has family. So he's not going too far from the population center, but he's right after that drop off. And I'm like, that's pretty pragmatic. That's good. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, I was just waving to the mailman. No, and uh, yeah, getting out of the city makes it a logistical nightmare for them to institute this tyranny. Um, and I can attest, uh, having escaped Brooklyn to uh, Barrier Island on the coast of New Jersey, I lived with, I think, in the off season outside of the summer, there's probably like two or 3,000 people on the island, if that. Uh, yeah, you couldn't tell. Restaurants were open. There were no limits. Nobody was wearing masks. Even though there were mandates, uh, people were skirting it all. Uh, went to the gym for a year and a half when, when they were shut down in New Jersey. Nobody ratted on anybody. Um, these places do exist. I, and I, yeah, I think that's ideal. I mean, I, I have programmer friends who work remotely and they're like, oh man, I went directly out in the middle of like Oklahoma, right? And they're just staying in a in, in a house out there and, you know, there's barely any people around and like not everyone can do that. Be pragmatic within your situation, where you are in your career. Your, um, and, 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 and I think just, just recognize this stuff's coming to the city first. It's not coming out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Okay. So number five, um, I think this is a big one. It seems obvious, but a lot of plebs, when I talk about this, start to say, you know what, you're right. This is something I need to focus on. Um, align employment. Um, you're getting this split in society where where a lot of a lot of the coercion is employer based. It's not it's not the federal government standing on your door saying you need to do this. It's your job. You need to do this and you do that. Um, and so you can you can kind of try and endure it and see how long you could last. But at some point, you need to understand when you're not at the right place. And um, I have friends who have switched careers, switched employers and i can tell you we're kind of in this spot where you can get a job based on uh, love for freedom alone at this moment you could basically call up people in your line of work and say hey i do x i'm at a company that doesn't believe in freedom do you and you <laughs> and you would be shocked you would be surprised right now that employers that fundamentally believe in bodily autonomy will hire you based on that at, the, at this moment in time. So there, there's a balkanization happening where um, people are aligning themselves with employment that is not going to force them in, that is not going to push them into forced medicine. Um, and I think that that's a very good proxy for freedom, right? If you align yourself in a, with an employer that gets that, you're probably going to be set up, you're going to be in a good place in the coming years. And as more and more weird stuff comes out through OSHA and this and that, if you're with an employer that gets it, you know, you're going to be feeling a lot better about your own situation with your family, with your future. Yeah. I mean, and then as a business owner too, think about it. Like you're not, you're not just hiring compliant sheep. You're hiring critical thinkers, right? As well. So like as a business owner, who's not going to force people to get the jab and, and do the whole mandate thing, like you're, you're probably actually, it's a, it's a massive talent grab right now. It's going on, uh, for, for critical thinkers and the companies that do mandate it are going to be left with a bunch of docile sheep who probably can't think creatively and actually add value to your business moving forward. The, the company that I love, the, the big tech company, um, we in big tech in, in tech, the tech industry, there was a big shift where, um, once COVID started happening, many engineers started working from home and uh, a a, not a small part of the in industry said, you know what, we're never going back to an office. And what's crazy is that you still have tech companies saying, we need to see your vaccine it's papers. Insane. It's insane. It's like, I'm never coming back um, to the office. So, <laughs> so it has everything to do with, 
you're either with a company that has allegiance and that is going along with all this or not. And there really is, you know, that gray area is dissolving. And so, um, you know, when I talk with people that are struggling through this, how to navigate this, and I start peeling back the layers, it seems to be, a, you know, most of the time it has something to do with employment. Because when folks get the right employer, everything else seems to uh, fall in place. Yeah. And I, I personally, I'm proud to say that I know them. I know more than a handful of people have quit their jobs because they were, they were going to be forced to get the vaccine. I actually met uh, a pleb last night at the block party uh, here in Austin who he came up to me. He's like, yeah, I'm about to leave my job. I'm looking for for jobs in the Bitcoin space because they're trying to an engineer too, I believe working from home, exactly the scenario you just described uh, being forced to get a vaccine. Um, he's a, he was, he's a gentleman with a family as well. He's got a child and a wife. Um, and it is, I, I do feel for people, it's so fucked up that they're putting people in this situation too. Um, people with families and, and attempting to, to force them to do this. It's, it's really, it is quite evil. Um, when you think about it, uh, we are in a battle of good and evil. There are good employers out there and there are, they may not realize they're evil. Maybe they're a product of the banality of evil, but they're, they're, they're forcing evil policies on people. Um, they exist as well. The extent of this is, is actually creating a lot of community. It's creating people, uh, business owners who are standing up and saying, you know what? No, or I will hire people. I will, I will. And so a lot of tribes are being built right now. So don't be bashful about it, right? Um, I, I, have a, I have a friend who was cold calling companies in his field in Texas because <laughs> he was in Washington. He was like, I'm moving to Texas. I don't know what it's going to take, but um, uh, I do, I do, I'm in this industry. I'm cold calling. I'm cold emailing. And I'm just saying, where do you stand on vaccine, this vaccine bullshit? And um, ended up getting an interview that way, talked with uh, uh, an owner, business owner, and now is moving to Texas. So um, now is not the time to be bashful. Um, this can completely transform, you know, your family's position. In a couple of years, you could be, you could be, you know, looking at this as a blessing. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Car, I will never force uh, vaccines on you. Don't worry. Um, Thanks, buddy. Your body. All right, number six and seven. I'm going to combine them. I'm going to combine them. So localism and, and balkanization. Localism is um, okay. So one source of anxiety I'm hearing from people is like the food anxiety. Um, that gets greatly reduced when you network with local uh, farmers and ranchers. So hit your hit your farmers markets. Uh, search around. Call up your ranchers. Go meet them. Buy them a coffee. Buy them a beer. Talk through the food shortage stuff, you'll, you'll end up being in their little tribe just on that conversation. And you'll have a source that you could buy meat. You'll have a source that you could buy, um, food, um, you know, bonus points for getting them orange build, right? Cause then you'll have a way to pay them too, if things get weird with dollars, but, um, it's, it's just good common sense. You know, Bitcoiners diets are pretty simple. We eat whole real food. So, you know, that doesn't take massive corporations. You can go find people, believe it or not, that just grow and, 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 and ranch these, these foods. So um, do it. These people are awesome. They're really important to the future, um, and you'll feel better. Also, um, if you're Christian, go do, the, go do the church thing. Find, find your church people that, uh, that are kind of saying no to the Great Reset, that get it. Build a little tribe in your area uh, don't just rely on Bitcoin Twitter. That's not, <laughs> you need to, you need to go past that. 
uh, get your little local tribe going. Food, uh, your value system. You hear what I'm saying? Agreed. Um, and then, <laughs> and then balkanization. That's a natural extension of that. Um, basically, you have like these places, Florida, Texas. Um, you, you have these places where there's a trend taking place. You're seeing them say no to lockdowns, no to vaccine mandates. You're seeing them um, uh, say yes to like school choice, where they're basically saying you can send your you don't have to send your kids to public school. You still get funding, uh, federal funding, and uh, uh, you, you, you see these this trend of, of like two um, way, um, uh, 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 basically saying we're not going to listen to any rulings on uh, gun uh, on guns, so we're going to allow people to have guns, um, and so that. That that effect is basically it's a polarization between the progressive left and the conservative right, and um, within that there is a higher degree of, of freedom and safety. Um, and so, throwing your weight behind that is probably not a bad idea. Um, there's a reason people are coming to Texas. There's a reason people are coming to Florida. Um, and so, keep that in the purview as you're just setting a path for yourself, right? Like if. Um, you know, sure. If you're in the rural part of Washington State, yeah, that's conservative. It's 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 the city that makes it blue. But at the same time, the rural part of Texas is very conservative. And in these times that we're in, um, I, I can attest that it's it's a big boon. It's a it, it gives it gives you a place to kind of batten down the hatches to do a little bit of citadel building. Um, I I really think that. Um, as we get to peak reset through 2025, being positioned in a free state is probably better um, than, you know, being in a blue state, especially as you see, you know, we want to keep a close eye on what's going on with these PC concentration camps. And, and so, you know, I don't want to do that um, from Connecticut. You know what I mean? <laughs> Good luck, Barry. Um, yeah. <laughs> And again, the balkanization to another encouraging trend that's uh, happened in the last couple of weeks. We've seen, I believe it was Florida and Alabama. Um, they, they, they kicked out like the National School Board Association or something like that that was that was mandating the, the critical race theory. And they just said, you know what, if you're going to mandate this, we're leaving your association. We're going to balkanize and, and go do our own thing. Um, so that was encouraging to see it is happening. Um, and you do have to speak up against this stuff. Um, it, it works. That's what happened. The parents of Florida and Alabama spoke up and, and they made it happen. And that feeds into number eight perfectly. Dump government schooling. The, you know, a lot of the attack on the OS, the West has taken place through education. And, um, and, and so basically you have this Marxist agenda that, that, that is completely soaked um, public schooling, soaked um, uh, uh, colleges. Um, you know, if you're, if, if you're directing your family, um, you know, you should be thinking about alternatives for your kids. And that doesn't just mean um, homeschooling. A lot of, you know, the exciting stuff about schools is cropping up in like the micro school area. So you basically have communities saying, hey, what if we just controlled the curriculum? Right. What if we said, um, OK, here's what we want to see. We hire teachers, we hire the experts and we build out a micro school. Um, that's really extremely exciting and um, be a part of that, right? It's, it's, we don't want to propagate the same problem into the future. If we're truly going to realize a, a um, decentralized revolution, if we're truly going to lean in the Bitcoin era, we need to make sure that these ideological um, 
these think these thought parasites we're not passing those down through our kids now there are there are models uh, actually one of the audiobooks i listened to on my drive down to texas uh, was called the benedict option um, and it's 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 a christian perspective on our modern age and and how to detach ourselves from the the sort of marxist intrusion in our life and this list is actually the, the lines um what we're walking through right now aligns uh, very tightly with with the the theme of the book um and like if so if you're a christian there are um there are like sort of curriculums out there for like a classic christian teaching that dives into history and morals and all that stuff as well that, that stuff's accessible online if you're looking to do that there's a big movement of people geeking out and like finally getting their hands around education and taking ownership of it. And, you know, for kids, it's micro schools and, and, uh, the return of like classical Western teaching. And, um, and then in the college era, like already we had things like Lambda where people were, were sort of connecting the dots that, Oh man, you could do a workshop based online college and get just as much value, um, as you did at a four year, uh, universities. And so like, there, there's in both areas, there's a lot of geeking out happening. And so there's no reason to despair or keep doing the old things. Like you can get in there and get excited about it. So you feel really positive about the future. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not enough just to like opt out at every layer. You need to make sure that your, your, uh, uh lineage is, is set up for success. Agreed. Agreed. Number nine. All right. Number, number nine, uh, proactive austerity. Um, Okay, so one source of anxiety that plebs uh, have, it's in the back of their mind, and this sits right after employment, is that like their lifestyle is going to be greatly affected by making moves that put them in a good position for reset, right? So they see all these warning signs, and they're kind of like in the back of their mind, like, oh, man, I live a certain way. I'm going to take a big hit in how I live. And I, I think it's a little bit of a wake-up call. It's like you've probably already taken a big hit in how you live with COVID. You've already adjusted to a new way of living through lockdowns. So um, basically, I don't mean pull your belt in, but proactive austerity means um, there's fun in it. There's fun in geeking out and like how, like taking stock of how little you actually need to thrive. I don't mean survive. I mean thrive. Like. Um, um, I, I do OMAD on, on carnivore and like, I, I've kind of blown away my wife and I, we, we, we climb for fun and I, I read and like, I have a, I'm like taking stock of my activities and I'm like, wow, it's, it's, you, you don't need much. You, you really don't, you don't need much. And, and you can really pull things in. I have friends who are, um, they're, they're not in a house anymore. They're renting and they moved out an area that it's surprisingly affordable and so like there's there's a lot you could do and there's a direct correlation to that and your perspective on freedom and what you and how much options you think you have in the future so anytime you're going into an area where think into a time where things look bleak it makes sense that you would actually engineer your optionality to the max Mm -hmm. right yeah um so yeah no no, i was gonna say so and then there's another thing too, like being a Bitcoiner is so funny, like how it changes your perspective. Parker Lewis and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Like I actually get mad at myself when I spend too much money. Like I bought uh, a, a grill and a, and a fire pit back here in the backyard. And like that weekend I did all that. I like I, I had to like punish stack for that. Like I had to buy the same amount of Bitcoin as, as the grill in the outdoor 
um, fireplace uh, costs because I was just like, fuck, I'm, I'm spending all this money on this stuff. Like I better be stacking uh, appropriately next to that. And then another piece of advice here, uh, which actually is a bit uh, counterintuitive because of the, the narrative that's been thrown out there, have kids. Uh, that people are like, kids are way too expensive. They're not really that expensive. And then you'll find yourself spending a lot of time going to parks and, and doing cheap things with your kids because uh, the activity, the, the amount of money needed to entertain a child is actually not not that much. And I'm saying that now I'm, I have a two-year-old uh, and I'm thinking like maybe it gets more expensive when they're 12 and 13 or stuff like that. But um, a young child, at least, it, it's not very expensive uh, yet. And I, those words may come back to bite me in the ass now as I'm thinking through this, but at least up until this point, it hasn't been that much. I go out less. I go to the park more um, at this stage in my child's life. Well, I think the having a family, it, it deepens the why so that you're able to justify any how. And mm-hmm. all these type of steps, uh, these strategic steps might be, they're tough on a person. But when you have that real deep why, it's like, yeah, of course I can do this and more. And I will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I highly recommend having kids. I fucking love it. Um, last, but not least. Thing, or sorry. One thing I've done, um, one thing I've done uh, recently, I've been geeking out on the idea of, um, uh, well, so when my wife and I buy things, we add three zeros to it um, because that's the opportunity cost and the thing that you're buying is there's about, I think about three more cycles left before the super cycle. You just add a zero for each cycle um, and that gives you a sense. So if you buy a $100,000 car, add three zeros to it, right? Maybe you shouldn't buy a hundred thousand dollar car or this type of thinking. And, um, that was kind of like a phase one for us. It helped us with uh, proactive austerity because we were just like, Oh geez, let's, let's live really tight in relation to that. And after that, we started thinking, you know, so I, I I'm retired, uh, uh, young, uh quite young, but I, I keep a long runway in checking and I have for a while because it's, you know, it's like the, just in case, right. Have a bunch of fiar just in case, um, and, uh, you know, we recently got on zero and so we actually don't hold any dollars. We, I haven't had a penny in weeks, um, ever, uh, not once. And so what we do is we put everything on credit cards and then once a month I convert some sats to us dollars and I pay the credit card bill off. And so, um, within our financial accounts, we never, ever have a single dollar, a single penny. Um, and, uh, uh it's the same thing when you, that that's a you have to take a leap to do that you know it's funny it's like the the, the last one percent is harder than the first 99 percent yeah um with get on zero <laughs> but like um this journey is like it led me to like this little startup in austin called level and um they're, they're think they're like trying to make like a bitcoin native bank that solves like the checking account problem and it's like it was such a a great um uh, uh like chance uh 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 you know, match up between a problem and a company. And, and I started talking to them for just a couple of weeks and they're like, Oh my gosh, they realize what a hair on fire problem this is. And now they're dumping shit coins. They're going Bitcoin only. And they're just going to solve the problem of like, okay, everything you need from your checking account, wouldn't it be nice if your checking account was 100% Bitcoin and you could still do like, um, ATM, bill pay, ACH wires, um, all the things that you do out of your normal bank, what, what if you could just do that from Bitcoin? And the minute that um, you slid your debit card or whatever, it just automatically converted the exact amount of Bitcoin to U.S. dollars for no fees. 
right? What if that was the service? And, and so, you know, they've been kind of leaning in that direction. I realized, wow, this is another way because then I'm not even saying add three zeros to it. I'm literally, every time we pay our credit card bill, I'm like, oh man, I'm selling Bitcoin, right? Because I don't have any more fiat left and I haven't for a long time. And that helps you get in the mindset of, you really understand every time you pay for something, the opportunity cost of it. Yeah. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the tax implications of getting off zero, though? Does that worry you at all um, for plebs? Or? Well, you, well, well, sure. I mean, part of it is, is like, oh, man, it's going to create a bunch of transactions and that's a headache. So there's that. But what level is going to do is just give me a um, like an auto generated form. So you, you put you put fiat in level, you convert it to Bitcoin, mm-hmm. you live on it, you can do direct deposit to it. You get a form at the end of the year that will show you your your cap gains. Um, now, if I kept that all in fiat, I wouldn't have any cap gains, right? Um, if it goes in Bitcoin, I'm either going to have gains or losses. If you have gains, even though it sucks to pay taxes, it's still your your net ahead, right? Uh, so, just for example, let's say you keep a hundred thousand dollars in checking, which is about what I kept in checking, um, and let's say I kept that in. Bitcoin for the last four years instead of fiat, right? So that might be a million dollars now. And yeah, I might have to pay. Uh, and, and, and as I was spending, it was small, small cap gains. So I wasn't holding a lot of it. So I might have to pay 30% of that in cap gains. So um, it's $100,000 versus $700,000, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah, you, you, you pay your cap gains, but like, how much further ahead would you be if you stopped holding fiat years ago? Yeah. Um, that, that's ultimately what it comes down to, but yes, there's an extra, like, so my tax guy, my accountant, he's going to get additional form and I, I might have to spend time answering questions on that. But, um, yeah, that's they how just, I feel about it. They just need to make it legal tender or just maybe not call it legal tender. Or just, it's a currency despite what Chris well, says. My, my, my wife didn't like the idea, but once the, the prices in the grocery store started raising, she was like, you know, uh, just in case, let's keep fiat. And I'm like, just in case they stop printing money, just in case, the, <laughs> you know, the, the food in the grocery store gets cheaper. Like none of those things seem likely at this point. So is there an inflection point in the future where um, it makes no sense to hold fiat? You know, some people live uh, paycheck to paycheck, right? So they, they keep their fiat around from there salary just long enough to pay their bills and then whatever's left over they buy bitcoin right Mm -hmm. at some point there's an inflection point just like you saw with zimbabwe or venezuela where you wouldn't even want to hold it for a couple hours you would immediately want to throw it in bitcoin because at least you'd have purchasing power and it wouldn't get eroded that rapidly hyperinflation right so if you know that that inflection point is coming is it 10 years away probably not it's probably low years away so it makes sense to actually get ahead of that and build the muscle you know feel the pain now build out the behavior so you're like okay i'm used to this before that inflection point and so that's kind of part of what i've been doing the last couple weeks is just like man can we live on zero dollars and the answer is with something like a level um you can. I know some people are doing it with like um, a strike and cash app. So I don't, you know, I don't have any allegiance to level other than I'm excited. They're focusing on like building a Bitcoin checking account. But um, yeah, I guess 
the, the, the thing is you can do it you can mm-hmm. do it now you can do it today i've been doing it so that's part of number nine and number ten um bolster body and mind um you know it's time to get ripped freaks let's go yeah part of it is like you know there's like common sense stuff like lifting um having a hobby that's physical um i like to climb um some people do like basketball or something but like something that you find yourself attracted to doing every week um that let that acts as an output for all the stress that's being built up as a as a you know as part of this psychological uh, warfare that's being conducted you need a way to a healthy way to let that out and it can't and it, it shouldn't be just like going out and drinking right like you know sweating is a very good outlet and and um the other thing is just like arranging your mind um i'm a big fan of bullet journaling bullet journaling just lets you um it's like a combination between a sketchbook a to-do list an agenda and it's you maintain it all by hand in a in a blank like grid journal um and it's 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 very meditative and it and it helps you organize your thoughts and your priorities so you always feel um calm and uh organized and like you're on top of what needs to happen today next week next month and so um i've actually been bad on that um in like the last year since covid um but before covid i was really good keeping a detailed journal for gosh like six or seven years what you'll find too i go back and read mine every once in a while I, i'm sure some of you freaks have seen me share some notes from uh some of my journals years past on twitter but you can actually, that's actually, if you believe in manifestation and self-actualization, doing that actually helps. Like write down what you want to do and want to become. And it's funny going back and reading what I was writing in like 2014, 2015 and where I am today. I think that was um, helpful in, in helping me get here. I think like journaling and, and a physical hobby is a good like life hack for couples and families too. Like my wife journals, we, we share tips on how we do it. We share like our illustrations together and then we both climb together and it's, it's a huge couple's hack because it's like a team sport. So you, so you're helping mm-hmm. each other. One person's belaying and one person's climbing and, um, that scene has a bunch of kids in it. So it's really good if you have, you know, new newborns that are starting to be physical, you see like, uh, uh you know, three, four year olds climbing on the wall and stuff. So it's, it's, um, you know, having, you know, I know uh, like Francis and friends do like the surf scene. So having something like that where it's, you know, you need a Bitcoin and a Bitcoin and right where you're adding in that physical cultural element. Um, and, and so, you know, I hope, I hope this g- gives you ideas because um, y- you can't have it be Bitcoin and doom scrolling. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that's a bad, a bad combo. Yeah. And part of like keeping your head really narrow as you and 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 staying excited as you navigate all this it's you can be zoomed out but you need that physical and mental element um if you're geeking out on spiritualism or religion like that can work too. find those communities um and that's it that these are my my 10 recommendations for what i think folks should be doing um uh, to navigate the great reset um to set themselves up for the bitcoin era um you know, I, I think even though it's a it's a really overbearing and heavy and 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 terrifying kind of reality that we're experiencing, the fact is is that we are strong enough to endure this and more. And um, you know, the human spirit is not going to be defeated. 
we will uh, uh, prevail. Our, our spirits will soar. Um, we're going to do this thing. We are going to make it. And so you just, you know, it, it, it's about zooming out enough to see that you wouldn't want to be the state right now. You really do want to be the good guys with Bitcoin. And it's just a matter of letting this whole experience transform you into the type of hard man that can leave this soft air behind. I don't think I could say it any better. I don't think um, I want to muddy the end of this episode anymore. I think that's a perfect ending. Uh, 10 tips to lead us through this great reset, to create a strong society built on strong men. Laser huddle. It's always a fucking pleasure, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Marty. I hope we can do it again in a couple months and um, talk about what, you know, I started to think about what the Bitcoin era will actually look like, you know, what shape will it take? And that's where a lot of the really excite, exciting stuff comes from because you start to realize the type of future we can, we can build and um, we'll, we'll do another recap and see what's going on with the Great Reset. And it's always a pleasure, man. Well, as I always do, I look forward to that next conversation. Um, I hope you enjoy your Friday night wherever you are. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I've got to go. We're, we're doing Christmas decorating tonight as a family. A nice family activity on a Friday night. Amen, man. Merry Christmas. All right. Merry Christmas. Peace and love, freaks. <laughs>